0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you again for joining me in this, the uh, next episode of my Legend of Drizzt, dramatic reading of the Legend of Drizzt series. I just wanted to tell everyone thank you for uh, all the kind words that I've been receiving through uh, Facebook and through the uh, internet, all over the internet verse, um, I'm so glad that so many of you really enjoy this because it it makes me feel good. It it gives me an outlet for uh, being creative in a manner that I I love doing. I love reading these stories. I love being an actor, and this is also good practice for me, so I can just get going and get a work on my voice over work if you know what I'm saying if you don't that's okay but I don't want to keep us much longer so I shall start now fresh from the start of chapter two R.A. Salvatore's The Legend of Drizzt book two exile chapter two voices in the dark driz stretched away his weariness and forced himself to his feet the efforts of his battle against the basilisk the night before of slipping fully into the primal state so necessary for survival had drained him thoroughly yet driz knew that he could afford no more rest his roth herd the guaranteed food supply had been scattered among the maze of tunnels and had been had to be retrieved Driz quickly surveyed the small and unremarkable cave that served as his home, ensuring that all was as it should be. His eyes lingered on the onyx statuette of the Panther. He had held he was held by a profound longing for Guinevere's companionship. In his ambush of the Bascalist, Drizzt had kept the Panther by his side for a long period, n- nearly the entire night and Guinevere would need to rest back on the astral plane. More than a full day would pass before Driz could bring arrested Guinevere forth again, and to attempt to use the figurine before then in any but a desperate situation would be foolish. With a resigned shrug, Driz dropped the statuette into his pocket and tried vainly to dismiss his loneliness. After a quick inspection of the rock barricade blocking the entrance to the main corridor, Drizzt moved to the smaller crawl tunnel at the back of the cave. He noticed the scratches on the wall by the tunnel, the notches he had scrawled to mark the passage of the days. Drizzt absently scraped another one now, but realized that it was not important. How many times had he forgotten to scratch the mark? How many days had slipped past him unnoticed between the hundreds of scratches on that wall? Somehow, it no longer seemed to matter. Day and night were one, and all the days were one in the life of the hunter. Drizzt hauled himself up into the tunnel and crawled for many minutes toward the dim light source at the other end. Though the presence of light, the result of the glow of an unnatural type of fungus, normally would have been uncomfortable to a dark elf's eyes, Drizzt felt a sincere sense of security as he crossed through the crawl tunnel into the long chamber. Its floor was broken into two levels, the lower being a moss-filled bed crossed by a small stream, and the upper being a grove of towering mushrooms. Drizzt headed for the grove, though he was not normally welcome there. He knew that the Mykonids, the fungus men, a weird cross between humanoid and toadstool, were watching him anxiously. The basklus had come in here in the, its first travels to the region, and the Mykonids had suffered a great loss. Now they were no doubt scared and dangerous, but Driz suspected that they knew as well that it was he who had slain the monster. Micronids were not stupid beings. If Driz kept his weapon sheathed and made no unexpected moves, the fungus men probably would accept this passage through their tended grove. The wall to the upper tier was more than ten feet high and nearly sheer. But Driz scaled it as easily and as quickly as if it had sported a wide and flat staircase. A group of Myconids fanned out around him as he reached the top, some only half Driz's height, but most twice as tall as the Drow. Driz crossed his arms over his chest, a commonly accepted underdark signal of peace. The Fungusmen found Driz's appearance disgusting, as disgusting as he considered them, but they did indeed understand that Driz had destroyed the Basilisk. For many years the Myconids had lived beside the rogue drow, each protecting the life-filled chamber that served <laughs> as their mutual sanctuary. An oasis such as this place, with edible plants, a stream full of fish, and a herd of rove, was not common in the harsh and empty stone caverns of the Underdark, and predators wandering along the outer tunnels invariably found their way in. Then it was left to the fungusmen and to Drizd to defend their domain. The largest of the Mycanids moved forward to stand before the dark elf. Drizd made no move, understanding the importance of establishing an acceptance between himself and the new king of the fungus-man colony. Still, Drizzt tensed his muscles, preparing to spring to the side if things did not go as he expected. The mycanid spewed forth a cloud of spores. Drizzt studied them in the split second it took them to descend over him, knowing that the Mature myconids could emit many different types of spore, some quite dangerous. But Driz recognized the hue of this particular cloud and accepted it wholly. King dead, me king, came the myconids' thoughts through the telepathic bond inspired by the spore cloud. You are king, Driz responded mentally. Now he wished these funganoids could speak aloud. As it was, Bottom for dark elf, Grove for myconid," replied the fungus man. Agreed. Grove for myconid. The fungus man thought again, this time emphatically. Drizz silently dropped down off a ledge. He had accomplished his mission with the fungoid. Neither he nor the new king had any desire to continue the meeting. Off at a swift pace, Drizz leaped the five-foot-wide stream and padded out across the thick moss. The chamber was longer than it was wide, and it rolled back for many yards, turning a slight bend before it reached the larger exit to the twisting maze of underdark tunnels. Around that bend, Drizzt looked again upon the destruction wreaked by the basilisk. Several half-eaten wroth lay about. Drizzt would have to dispose of those corpses before their stench attracted even more unwelcome visitors, and other wroths stood perfectly still, petrified by the gaze of the dreaded monster. Directly in front of the chamber exit stood the former Myconid king, a twelve-foot giant, now no more than an ornamental statue. Drizzt paused to regard it. Had he never learned the fungoid's name and had never given it his? But Drizzt supposed that the thing had been his ally, at least, perhaps even his friend. They had lived side by side for several years, though they had rarely encountered each other, and both had realized a bit more security just by the other's presence. All told, though, Drizzt felt no remorse at the sight of the petrified ally. In the Underdark, only the strongest survived, and this time the Mykonid king had not been strong enough. In the wilds of the Underdark, failure allowed for no second chance. But in the tunnels again, Drizzt felt his rage beginning to build. He welcomed it fully, focusing his thoughts on the carnage in his domain and accepting the anger as an ally in the wilds. He came through a series of tunnels and turned into the one where he had placed his darkness spell the night before, where Guinevar had crouched, ready to spring upon the basilisk. Drizzt's spell was long gone now, and using his infravision, He could make out several warm, glowing forms crawling over the cooling mound that Drizzt knew to be the dead monster. The sight of the thing only heightened the hunter's rage. Instinctively, he grasped the hilt of one of his scimitars. As though it moved of its own accord, the weapon shot out as Drizzt passed the basilisk's head, splatting sickeningly into the exposed brains. Several blind cave rats took flight at the sound, and Drizzt, again without thinking, snapped off a thrust with his second blade pinning one to the stone. Without even slowing his pace, he scooped the rat up and dropped it into his pouch. Finding the roth could be a tedious process and the hunter would need to eat. For the remainder of the day and half of the next, the hunter moved out away from his domain. The, craverat, the cave rat was not a particularly enjoyable meal, but it sustained drift, allowing him to continue allowing him to survive. To the hunter in the Underdark, nothing else mattered. That second day out, the hunter knew he was closing in on a group of his lost beasts. He summoned Guinevar to his side, and with the panther's help, had little trouble finding the rove. Drizzt had hoped that all of the herd would still be together, but he found only a half dozen in the area. Six were better than none, though, and Drizzt set Guinevar into motion, herding the rove back toward the moss cave. Driz set a brutal pace, knowing that the task would be much easier and safer with Guinevere by his side. By the time the panther tired and had to return to its home plain, the roads were comfortably grazing by the familiar stream. The drow set out again immediately, this time taking two dead rats along for the ride. He called Guinevar again when he was able and dismissed the panther when he had to. Then again after that, as the days rolled by without further sign, But the hunter did not surrender his search. Frightened Roth could cover an incredible amount of ground, and in the maze of twisting tunnels and huge caverns, the hunter knew that many more days could pass before he caught up to the beasts. Driz found his food where he could, taking down a bat with a perfect throw of a dagger. After tossing up a deceptive screen of pebbles and dropping a boulder onto the back of a giant underdark crab, Eventually, Driz grew weary of the search and longed for the security of his small cave. Doubting that the road running blind could have survived this long out in the tunnels so far from their water and food, he accepted that his herd's loss and decided to return home via a route that would bring him back to the region of the moss-covered cavern from a different direction. Only the cre- clear tracks of his lost herd could, would deter him from his set course. Driz decided, but as he rounded a bend halfway home, a strange sound caught his attention and held it. Driz passed his hands against the stone, feeling the subtle, rhythmical vibrations. The short distance away, something banged the stone in succession. Measured hammering. The hunter drew his scimitars and crept along, using the continuous vibrations to guide him through the winding passageways. The flickering light of a fire dropped him into a crouch, but he did not flee. Drawn by the knowledge that an intelligent being was nearby, quite possibly the stranger would prove to be a threat. But perhaps, Driz hoped in the back of his mind, it could be something more than that. Then Driz saw them, two banging at the stone with crafted pickaxes, another collecting rubble in a wheelbarrow, and two... More standing guard. The hunter knew at once that the more guards would be about, he probably had penetrated their defenses without even seeing them. Driz summoned one of his abilities of his heritage and drifted slowly up into the air, guiding his levitation with his hands along the stone. Luckily, the tunnel was high at this point, so the hunter could observe the mining creatures in relative safety. They were shorter than Drizzt and his hairless with squat and muscled torsos perfectly designed for the mining that was their calling in life. Drizzt had encountered this race before and had learned much of them during his years at the academy back in Menzelbaranzen. These were Sverfnebli, deep gnomes, the most hated enemies of the drow in all the Underdark. Once long ago, Drizzt had led a drow patrol into the battle against a group of Sverfnebli and personally had defeated an earth elemental that the Deep Gnome leader had summoned. Driz remembered that time now, and like all the memories of his existence, the thoughts pained him. He had been captured by the Deep Gnomes, roughly tied and held prisoner in a secret chamber. The Sferf Nebli had not mistreated him, though. They suspected, and explained to Driz, that they would eventually have to kill him. The group's leader had promised Drizd as much mercy as the situation allowed. Driz's comrades, though led by Dinan, his own brother, had stormed in, showing the Deep Gnomes no mercy at all. Driz had managed to convince his brother to spare the swerth leader's life, but Dinan, showing typical drow cruelty, had ordered the Deep Gnomes' hands severed before releasing him to flee to his homeland. Driz shook himself from the anguishing memories and forced his thoughts back to the situation at hand deep gnomes could be formidable adversaries, he reminded himself, and they would not likely welcome a drow elf to their mining operations. He had to keep alert. The miners apparently had struck a rich vein, for they began talking in excited tones. Drizzt reveled in the sound of those words, though he could not begin to understand the strange gnomish language. A smile not inspired by victory in battle found its way into Drizzt's face for the first time in years as the Swerf Nebli scrambled about the stone, tossing huge chunks into their wheelbarrows and calling for other nearby companions to come and join in the fun. As Drizzt had suspected, more than a dozen unseen Swerf Nebli came in from every direction. Drizzt found a high perch against the wall and watched the miners long after his levitation his spell had expired. When at last their wheelbarrows were overfilled, the deep gnomes formed a column and started away. Driz realized that his prudent course at that time would be to let them get far away, then slip back to his home. But, against the simple logic that guided his survival, Driz found that he could not so easily let the sound of the voices get away. He picked his way down the high wall and fell into pace behind the Nebblin caravan, wondering where it would lead. For many days, Drizzt followed the Deep Gnomes. He resisted the temptation to summon Gwenevar, knowing that the panther could use the extended rest, and himself satisfied in the company, however distant, of the Deep Gnomes' chatter. Every instinct warned the hunter against continuing in his actions, but for the first time in a very long time, Drizzt overruled the instincts of his more primal self. He needed to hear the Gnomes' voices more than he needed the simple necessities of survival the corridors became more worked less natural around him and Driz knew that he was approaching the neblin homeland again the potential dangers loomed up before him and again he dismissed them as secondary he quickened his pace and put the mining caravan in sight suspecting that the swift would have cunning traps set about the deep gnomes measured their steps at this point taking care to avoid certain areas Driz carefully mimicked their movements and nodded knowingly as he noticed a loose stone here and a low trip wire there. Then Driz ducked back behind an outcropping as new voices joined the sound of the miners. The mining troop had come to a long and wide stairway ascending between two walls of absolutely sheer and uncracked stone. To the side of the stair was an opening barely high and wide enough for the wheelbarrows, and Drizd watched with sincere admiration as the deep gnome miners moved the carts to the, this opening and fastened the lead one to a chain. A series of taps on the stone sent a signal to an unseen operator, and the chains crack, creaked, drawing the wheelbarrow into the hole. One by one, the carts disappeared, and the swift and band thinned as well, taking to the stairs as their load lessened. As the two remaining deep gnomes hitched the last cart to the chain and tapped out the signal, Driz took a gamble born of desperation. He waited for the deep gnomes to turn their backs and darted to the cart, watching it just as it disappeared into the low tunnel. Driz understood the depth of his foolishness when the last deep gnome, still apparently unaware of his presence, replaced a stone at the bottom of the passage, blocking any possible retreat. The chain pulled on and the cart rolled up at an angle as steep as the paralleling, paralleling staircase. Driz could see nothing ahead, for the wheelbarrow, designed for a perfect fit, took up the entire height and width of the tunnel. Driz noticed then that the cart had little wheels along its sides as well aiding in its passage. It felt so good to be in the presence of such intelligence again, but Driz could not ignore the danger surrounding him. The Nebli would not take well to an untruding drow. It was likely that they would strike out with weapons, not questions. After several minutes, the passage leveled off and widened. A single neblin was there, effortlessly turning the crank that hold up the wheelbarrows. Intent on his business, the deep gnome did not notice form dart from behind the last cart and silently slipped through the room's side door. Driz heard voices as soon as he opened the door. He continued ahead, though having nowhere else to go, and dropped to his belly on a narrow ledge. The deep gnomes, guards, and miners were below him, talking on a landing at the top of the wide stairway. At least a score stood there now the miners recounting the tales of their rich find. At the back end of the landing, though, two immense and partly a charmed metal-bound stone doors. Driz caught a glimpse of the Swerfneblin city. The drow could see but a fraction of the place, and that not very well from his position on the ledge, but he guessed that the caverns beyond those massive doors was not nearly as large as the chamber housing Menza Drizz wanted to go in there. He wanted to jump up and rush through those doors, give himself over to the Deep Gnomes for whatever judgment they deemed fair. Perhaps they would accept him. Perhaps they would see Drizz for who he truly was. The swift and on the landing, laughing and chatting, made their way into the city. Drizz had to go now, had to spring up and follow them beyond the massive doors. But the hunter... The being who had survived the decade in the savage wiles of the Underdark could not move from the ledge. The hunter, the being who had defeated a Abascalisk and countless others of this dangerous world's monsters, could not give himself over to the hopes of civilized mercy. The hunter did not understand such concepts. The massive stone doors closed and the moment of flickering light and Driz's darkening heart died. With a resounding crash... After a long and tormented moment, Drizzt doored rolled off the ledge and dropped to the landing at the top of the stairs. His vision blurred suddenly as he made his way down the pathway from the teeming life beyond the doors, and it was only the primal instincts of the hunter that sensed the presence of still Morrisworth guards. The hunter leaped wildly over the startled deep gnomes and rushed out again into the freedom offered by the wild underdark's open passageways. When he had put the Sref Neblin City far behind, Drizzt reached into his pocket and took out the statuette, the summons to his only companion. A moment later, though, Drizzt dropped the figurine back, refusing to call the cat, punishing himself for his weakness on the ledge. If he had been stronger on the ledge beside the immense doors, he could have put an end to his torment one way or another. The instincts of Hunter battled Driz for control as he made his way along the passages that would take him back to the moss-filled cavern. As the underdog and the press of undeniable danger continued to close in around him, those primal, alert instincts took command, denying any further distracting thoughts of the swift Nebli in their city. Those primal instincts were the salvation and the damnation of Driz Chapter 3. Snakes and Swords How many ten days has it been? Dinan signaled to Brisa in the silent handcoat of the drow. How many ten days have we hunted through these tunnels for our renegade brother? Dinan's expression revealed his sarcasm as he motioned the thoughts. Brisa scowled at him and did not reply. She cared for this tedious duty even less than he. She was a high priestess of law and had been the eldest daughter, accorded a high place of honor within the family structure. Never before would Brisa have been sent off on such a hunt. But now, for some unexplained reason, Sinefe Honette had joined the family, relegating Brisa to a lesser position. Five, Denon continued, his anger growing with each darting movement of his slender fingers. Six, how long has it been, sister? He pressed. How long has Sinefe? Sineen, been sitting in Matron Malice's side. Brisa's snake-headed whip came off her belt and she spun angrily on her brother. Dinin, realizing that he had gone too far with a sarcastic prodding, defensively drew his sword and tried to duck away. Brice's strike came faster, easily defeating Dinin's pitiful attempt at a parry, and three of the six heads connected squarely on the other boy, Dorden's chest and shoulder. Cold pain spread throughout Dinan's body, leaving only a helpless numbness in its wake. His sword arm drooped and he started to topple forward. Brisa's powerful hand shot out and caught him by the throat as he swooned, easily lifting him onto his toes. Then, looking around at the other five members of the hunting party to ensure that none were moving in Dinan's favor, Brisa slammed his stunned brother roughly into the stone wall. The high priestess leaned heavily on Denon, one hand tight against his throat. "'A wise male would measure his gestures more carefully,' she snarled aloud, though she and the others had been explicitly instructed by Matron Malice not to communicate in any method other than the silent code once they were beyond Menta Branson's borders. It took Denon a long while to fully appreciate his predicament. As the numbness wore away, he realized that he could not draw breath, and though his hand still held his sword, Brisa, outweighing him by a score of pounds, had it pinned close to his side. Even more distressing, his sister's free hand held the dreaded snake whip aloft. Unlike ordinary whips, that evil instrument needed little room to work its snap. The animated snake heads could coil and strike from close range, simply as an extension of their wielder's will. Matron Malice would not question your death, Brisa whispered harshly. Her sons have been trouble to her. Dinan looked past his Hulking captor to the common soldiers of the patrol. Witnesses? Brisa laughed, guessing his thoughts. Do you really believe they will speak against a high priestess for the sake of a mere male? Brisa's eyes narrowed and she moved her face right up to Dinan's. "'A mere male corpse?' "'She cackled once again and released Dinan suddenly, "'and he dropped to his knees, "'struggling to regain a normal rhythm to his breathing. "'Come,' Brisa signaled in the silent code to the rest of the patrol. "'I sense that my younger brother is not in this area. "'We shall return to the city and restock our packs.' Dinan watched his sister's back as she made the preparations for their departure. He wanted nothing more than to put his sword between her shoulder blades. Dinan was smarter then to try such a move, though. Brisa had been a high priestess of the Spider Queen for more than three centuries, and now in the favor of love, even if Matri Malice and the rest of the house d'Ordan was not. Even if her evil goddess had not been looking over her, Brisa was a formidable foe, skilled in spells and with that cruel whip, always ready at her side. My sister, Dinan called after her as she started away. Brisa spun on him, surprised that he would dare speak her. Accept my apologies, Dinan said. He motioned for the other soldiers to keep moving, then returned to using the hand code so that the commoners would not know his further conversation with Brisa. I am not pleased that by the addition of Cinefe Hunette to the family, Dinan explained. Brisa's lips curled up in one of her typically ambiguous smiles. Dinan couldn't be sure if she was agreeing with him or mocking him. You think yourself wise enough to question the decisions of Matron Malice? Her fingers asked. No, Tinan signaled back emphatically. Matron Malice does as she must, and always for the welfare of House Doorn. But I do not trust the displaced Hunette. Cinefe watched her house smash into bits of heated rock by the judgment of the ruling council. All of her treasured children were slain, and most of her commoners as well. Can she truly be loyal to House Dordan after such a loss? Foolish male, Priestess signaled in reply. Priestesses understand that loyalty is owed only to Loth. Sinafay's house is no more than Sinafay is no more. She is Shinane the Orden now, and by the order of Spider-Queen she will fully accept all of the responsibilities that accompany the name. I do not trust her, Tenant reiterated, nor am I pleased to see my sisters, the true door move down the hierarchy to make room for her. Shinane should have been placed beneath Maya or housed among the commoners. Risa snarled at him, though she wholeheartedly agreed names rank in the family is of no concern to you. "'House d'Ordan is stronger for the addition of another high priestess. "'That is all a male need and care about.' "'Dinan nodded his acceptance of her logic, "'and wisely sheathed his sword before beginning to rise from his knees. Brisa likewise replaced the snake whip on her belt, "'but continued to watch her volatile brother without, out of the corner of her eye. "'Dinan could be more careful.' around Brisa now. He knew that his survival depended on his ability to walk beside his sister, for Malice would continue to send Brisa out on these hunting patrols beside him. Brisa was the youngest of the Dordan daughters, with the best chance of finding and capturing Drizzt. And did having been a patrol leader for the city for more than a decade, was the most familiar of anyone in the house with the tunnels beyond Menzel Baranzen. Dinan shrugged at his rotten luck and followed his sister back down the tunnels of the city, a short respite, no more than a day, and they would be back in the march again, back on the prowl for their delusive and dangerous brother, whom Dinan truly had no desire to find. Guinevere's head turned abruptly and the great panther froze perfectly still, one paw cocked and ready to move. I heard it too. Driz whispered, moving tightly to the panther's side. Come, my friend, let us see what new enemy has entered our domain. They sped off together, equally silent, down corridors they knew so very well. Driz stopped suddenly, and Guinevere did likewise, at the echo of a scuffle. It was made by a boot. Driz knew, and not by some natural monster of the underdog, Driz pointed up to a broken pile of rubble overlooking a wide and many-tiered cavern on its other side. Guinevar led him there, where she could find a better vantage point. The drow patrol came into view only a few moments later. A group of seven, though they were not too far for Drizzt to make out any particulars. Drizzt was amazed that he had heard them so easily, for he remembered those days when he had taken the point position on such patrols. How alone he had felt then, up at the lead of more than a dozen dark elves, for they made not a whisper with their practiced movements, and they kept to the shadows so well that even Drizzt's keen eyes could not begin to locate them. And yet, this hunter that Drizzt had become, this primal, instinctive self, had found this group easily. Brisa stopped suddenly and closed her eyes, concentrating on the emanations of her spell of location. What is it? Denin's fingers asked her when she looked back to him. Her startled and obviously excited expression revealed much. Drizzt. Dinan breathed aloud, hardly able to believe, "'Silence!' Briz's hands cried out at him. "'She glanced around to survey his surroundings, "'then signaled to the patrol to follow her at the shadows of the wall "'in the immense and exposed cavern. "'Briestan nodded her confirmation to Din and then, "'confident that their mission would at last be completed. "'Can you be sure it is Drizz?' Din's fingers asked in his excitement, he could barely keep the moment movements precise enough to convey his thoughts. "'Perhaps some scavenger?' We know that our brother lives, the priest of motion quickly. Match and manners would no longer be out of Loth's favor if it were otherwise, and Drizzt lives. Then we can assume that he possesses the item. The evasive movement of the patrol caught Drizzt by surprise. The group could not possibly have seen him under the cover of the jutting rocks, and he held faith in the silence of his footfalls and of Guinevere's. Yet Drizzt felt certain that it was he he the patrol was hiding from something felt out of place in the whole encounter dark elves were rare rare for this rare this far from Menzel Branson perhaps it was no more than the paranoia necessary to survive in the wilds of the underdark Driz told himself still he suspected that more than chance had brought this group to his domain go Gwenevar he whispered to the cat view our guests and return to me the panther sped away from, through the shadows, circumventing the large cavern. Driz sank low into the rubble, listened, and waited. Guinevere returned to him only a moment later, though it seemed an eternity to, to Drizd. "'Did you know them?' Drizd asked. The cat scratched a paw across the stone. "'Of our old patrol?' Driz wondered aloud. "'The fighters you and I walked beside?' Guinevere seemed uncertain and made no definite movements." A Honet, then? Driz said, thinking he had solved that riddle. How Sinet had at last come looking for him to repay him for the deaths of Alton and Massage, the two Honet wizards who had died trying to kill Driz. Or perhaps the Honets had come in search of Guinevere, the magical item that Massage once had possessed. When Driz took a moment from his pondering to study Guinevere's reaction, he realized that his assumptions were wrong. The panther had backed away from him a step and seemed agitated by a stream of suspicions. Suppositions. Then who? Drizz asked. Reeled up reared up on its hind legs and straddled Driz's shoulders, one great paw patting Driz's neck purse. Not understanding, Driz slipped the item off his neck and emptied its contents into a palm revealing a few gold coins, a small gemstone, and the emblem of his house, a silvery token engraved with the initials of Dam and Shazburn, and House Dorn. Drizzt realized at once what Guinevere was hinting at. My family, he whispered harshly. Guinevere backed away from him and again scratched a paw excitedly across the stone thousand memories flooded through Drizzt at that moment, but all of them, good and bad, led him inescapably to one possibility. Matron Malice had neither forgiven nor forgotten his actions on that fated day. Drizzt had abandoned her and the way of the Spider Queen, and he knew well enough the ways of the Loth to realize that his actions had not left his mother in good standing. Drizzt looked back into the gloom of the wide cavern. "'Come,' he panted to Guinevere, and he ran off down the tunnels. His decision to leave Menza Brandon had been painful and uncertain, and now Drizzt had no desire to encounter his kin and rekindle all of the doubts and fears. He and Guinevere ran on for more than an hour, turning down the secret passageways and crossing into the most confusing sections of the area's tunnels. Drizzt knew the region intimately and felt certain that he could leave the patrol group far behind with little effort. But when at last he paused to catch his breath, Driz sensed, and he only had to look at Guinevere to confirm his suspicions, that the patrol was still on his trail, perhaps even closer than before. Driz knew then that he was being magically tracked. There could be no other explanation. But how? he asked the panther. Am I, I am hardly the draw they knew as brother, in appearance or in thought. What could they be sensing that would be familiar enough with their magical spells to hold on to? Driz surveyed himself quickly, his eyes first falling upon his crafted weapons. The scimitars were indeed wondrous, but so were the majority of the drow weapons and Menzel Brandon, and these particular blades had not even been crafted in House Dordan, and were not of any design favored by Driz's family. His cloak, then, he wondered. The Pilwafwi was a signpost of a house, bearing the stitch patterns and designs of a single family. But Driz pawafui had been tattered and torn beyond recognition, and he could hardly believe that a location spell would recognize it as belonging to House D'Ordan. Belonging to House Dorden, Triz whispered aloud. He looked at Guinevar and nodded suddenly. He had his answer. He again removed his neck pouch and took out the token, the emblem of Dam and Nesh's Benaren. Created by magic, it possessed its own magic, a Dwomer distinct to the one, to that one house. Only a noble of house to could carry one. Driz thought for a moment, then replaced the token and slipped the neck purse over Guinevere's head. Time for the hunted to become the hunter, he purred to the great cat. He knows he's being followed, Dinan's hands flashed to Brisa. Brisa didn't justify the statement with a reply. Of course Drizzt knew of the pursuit. It was obvious that he was trying to evade them. Brisa remained unconcerned. Drizzt's house emblem burned as a distinct directional beacon in her magically enhanced thoughts. Brisa stopped, though, when the party came to a fork in the passage. The signal came from beyond the fork, but not in any definitive way to either side. Left priest's signaled to the three of the commoner soldiers, then right to the remaining two. She held her brother back, signaling that she and Dinan would hold their position at the fork to serve as a reserve for both groups. High above the scattering patrol, hovering in the shadows of the stalactite covered ceiling, Driz smiled at his cunning. The patrol might have kept pace with them, but it would have no chance at all of catching Guinevere. The plan had been executed and completed to perfection, for Drizzt had only meant to lead one patrol on until it was far from his domain, and weary of the hopeless search, but as Driz floated there, looking down upon his brother and eldest sister, he found himself longing for something more. A few moments passed, and Drizzt was certain that the dispatched soldiers were a good distance away. He drew out his scimitars, thinking then that a meeting with his siblings might not be so bad after all. "'He moves farther away,' Princess spoke to Dinan, not fearing the sound of her own voice, since she felt certain of her renegade brother's distant position. "'At great speed!' "'Drizzt was always adept in the underdog,' Dinan replied, nodding. "'He will prove a difficult catch.' Brisa snickered. He will tire long before my spells expire, but we'll f- we will find him breathless in a dark hole. But Brisa cock- Brisa's cockiness turned to blank amazement a second later when a dark form dropped right between her and Dinan. "'Dinan, too, hardly even registered the shock of it all. "'He saw Driz for just a split second, "'and then his eyes crisscrossed, "'following the descending arc of a scimitar's rushing hilt. "'Dinan went down heavily with a smooth stone on the floor, "'pressing against his cheek, "'a sensation to to which Dinan was oblivious. "'Even as one hand did its work on Dinan, Driz's other hand shot a scimitar tip close to Brisa's throat, "'meaning to force her surrender.' Driz was not surprised as dinen though, and she always kept a hand close to her whip. She danced back from Driz's attack and snake heads shot up into the air, coiled and searching for an opening. Drizzt turned full to face her, weaving his scimitars into defensive patterns to keep the stinging vipers at bay. He remembered the bite of those dreaded whips, like every drow male had been taught it many times during his childhood. "'Brother Drizzt,' Brisa said loudly, hoping the patrol would hear her and understand the call to her side. "'Lower your weapons. It does not have to be like this.' The sound of familiar words, of drow words, overwhelmed Drizzt. How good it was to hear them again, to remember that he was more than a single-minded hunter, that his, his life was more than mere survival.' ''Lower your weapons,'' Brisa said again, more pointedly. ''Why are you here?'' Driz stammered at her. ''For you, of course, my brother,'' Brisa replied too kindly. ''The war with the house Hunet is at long last ended. It is time for you to come home.'' A part of Driz wanted to believe her, wanted to forget those facts of drow life that had forced him out of the city's birth, a part of Driz wanted to drop the scimitar to the stone and return to the shelter and the companionship of his former life. Brisa's smile was so inviting. Brisa recognized his weakening resolve. Come home, dear Drizzt, she purred, her words holding the bindings of a major magical spell. You are needed. You are the weapon master of the House Twarden now. The sudden change in Driz's expression told Brisa that she had erred. Zagnafian, mentor and dearest friend, had been the weapon master of House Dwarden, and Zagnafian had been sacrificed to the Spider Queen. Drizzt would never forget that fact. Indeed, Drizzt remembered much more than the comforts of home at that moment. He remembered even more clearly the wrongs of his past life, the wickedness that his principles simply could not tolerate. You should not have come, Driz said, his voice sounding like a growl. You must never come this way again! Dear brother, Priesa replied, more to buy time than to correct her obvious error. She stood still, her face frozen in that double edged smile of hers. Driz looked behind Priesa's lips, which were thick and full by drow standards. The priestess spoke no words, but Driz could clearly see that her mouth was moving behind that frozen smile. A spell! Brisa had always been skilled at such deceptions. Go home! Driz cried at her, and he launched an attack. Brisa ducked away from the blow easily enough, for it was not meant to strike, only to disrupt her spell casting. Damn you, Driz the Rogue! she spat, all pretense of friendship gone. Lower your weapons at once, on pain of death! Her snake whip came up in, in open threat. Driz set his feet. Wide apart, fires burned as lavender orbs as the hunters within him rose to meet the challenge. Brisa hesitated, taken aback by the sudden ferocity brewing in her brother. This was no ordinary drow warrior standing before her. She knew beyond doubt. Dris had become something more than that. Something more formidable. But Brisa was a high priestess of Loth. Near the top of the drow hierarchy, she would not be frightened away by a mere male. Surrender, she demanded. Driz couldn't even decipher her words, for the hunter standing against Brisa was no longer Driz The savage, primal warrior that memories of Dead Nafin had invoked was imperious to words and lies. Brisa's arm pumped the whip's six viper heads whirled in, twisting and weaving their own volition to gain the best angles of attack. The hunter's scimitars responded in an undistinguishable blur. Brisa couldn't begin to follow their lightning-quick motions, and then her attack routine had ended. She knew only that none of the snake heads had found a mark, but that only five of the heads remained attached to the whip. Now, in raids that nearly matched her opponents, Brisa charged in, flailing away with her damaged weapon. Snakes and scimitars and slender drow limbs intertwined in a deadly ballet. A head bit into the hunter's leg, sending a burst of cold pain coursing through his veins. A scimitar defeated another deceptive attack, splitting a head down the middle, right between the fangs. Another head bit into the hunter. Another head fell free to the stone. The opponents separated, taking measure of each other. Brisa's breath came hard after the few furious minutes, but the hunter's chest moved easily and rhythmically. Brisa had not been struck, but Drizzt had taken two hits. The hunter had learned long ago to ignore pain, though. He stood ready to continue, and Brisa, her whip now sporting only three heads, stubbornly came in on him. She hesitated for a split second when she noticed Dinan still prone on the floor, but with his senses apparently returning might her brother rise to her aid Dinan squirmed and tried to stand but found no strength in his legs to lift him damn you brisa growled her venom aimed at dinan or at drizz it didn't matter calling on the power of the spider queen deity the priests of loth lashed out with all of her strength three snake heads dropped to the floor after a single cross of the hunter's blades "'Damn you!' Brisa screamed again, this time pointedly at Drizzt. She grasped the mace from her belt and swung a vicious overhand chop at her defiant brother's head. Crossed scimitars caught the clumsy blow long before it found its mark, and the hunter's foot came up and kicked once, twice, and then a third time into Brisa's face before it went back to the floor. Brisa staggered backward, blood in her eyes and running freely from her nose. She made out the lines of her brother's form beyond the blurring heat of her own blood, and she launched a desperate, wide-arcing hook. The hunter set one summatard to parry the mace, turning its blade so that Brisa's hand ran down its cruel edge, even as the mace swept wide of its mark. Brisa screamed in agony and dropped her weapon. The mace fell to the floor beside two of her fingers. Dinan was up then behind Drizd with his sword in his hand. Using all of her discipline, Brisa kept her eyes locked on Drizd, holding his attention. If she could distract him long enough... The hunter sensed the danger and spun on Dinan. All that Dinan saw in his brother's lavender eyes was his own death. He threw his sword to the ground and crossed his arms over his chest in surrender. The hunter issued a growling command, hardly intelligible, but Denon fathomed its meaning well enough, and he ran away as fast as his legs could carry him. Brisa started to slip around, meaning to follow Denon, but the scimitar blade cut her off, locking under her chin and forcing her head so far back that she could see the dark stone of the ceiling. Pain burned in the hunter's limbs, pain inflicted by this one and her evil whip, Now the hunter meant to end the pain and the threat. This was his domain. Brisa uttered a final prayer to Loth as she felt the razor-sharp edge begin its cut. But then, in the instant of a black blur, she was free. She looked down to see Driz pinned to the floor by a huge black panther. Not taking the time to question, Brisa sped off down the tunnel after Driz Dinin the hunter squirmed away from guinevere and leaped to his feet guinevere he cried pushing the panther away get her killed guinevere replied by falling into a sitting position and issuing a wide and drawn out yawn with one lazy movement the panther brought a paw under the string of the neck purse and snapped it off to the ground the hunter burned with rage what are you doing? he screamed, snatching up the purse. Gwenevar sided against him. Had Gwenevar sided against him? Drizd backed away a step, hesitantly bringing his scimitars up between him and the panther. Gwenevar made no move, but just sat there, staring at Drizzt. A moment later, the click of a crossbow told Drizzt of the absolute absurdity of his line of thinking. The dart would have found him, no doubt, but Guinevar sprang up suddenly and intercepted its flight. Drow poison had no effect on the legs of a magical cat. Three drow fighters appeared on one side of the fork, two more on the other. All thoughts of revenge on Brisa flew from Drizzt, and he followed Guinevar in full flight down the twisting passageways. Without the guidance of the high priestess and her magic, the commoner fighters did not even attempt to follow. A long while later, Drizzt and Guinevere. "'turned into a side passage and paused in their flight, "'listening for any sounds of pursuit. "'Come,' Drizzt instructed, and he started slowly away, "'certain of the threat of Dinan and Brisa "'had been successfully repelled. "'Again, Guinevar dropped to a sitting position. "'Drizzt looked curiously at the panther. "'I told you to come,' he growled. "'Guinevar fixed a stare upon him, "'a look that filled the renegade drow with guilt.' Then the cat rose and walked slowly toward its master Trist nodded his accord thinking that guinevere meant to obey him he turned and started again to walk off but the banther circled around him stopping his progress guinevar continued the circle pacing and slowly the telltale mist began to appear what are you doing Trist demanded guinevar did not slow I did not dismiss you, Driz shouted as the panther's corporeal form melted away. Driz spun about frantically, trying to catch hold of something. I did not dismiss you, he cried again, helplessly. Guinevere had gone. It was a long walk back to Driz's sheltered cave. That last image of Guinevere followed his every step. The cat saucer eyes boring into his back. Guinevere judged him he realized beyond any doubt. In his blind rage, Dinan Drizd had almost killed his sister. He surely would have slain if Gunevar had not pounced upon him. At last, Drizd crawled into the little stone cubby that served as his bedroom. His contemplations crawled in with him. A decade before, Drizd had killed Massardranet, and on that occasion had vowed never to kill a drow again. To Drizzt, his word was the core of his principles, those very same principles that had forced him to give up so very much. Drizzt surely would have forsaken his word this day had it not been for guinevere's actions. How much better, then, was he from those dark elves he had left behind? Drizzt clearly had won the encounter against his siblings and was confident that he could continue to hide from Brisa. And from all the other enemies that Major Malice sent against him, but alone in that tiny cave, Driz realized something that distressed him greatly. He couldn't hide from himself. Well, I think I'm going to end it there. That was two chapters. We will start next time on Chapter 4, Flight from the Hunter, as it is called here in the uh, Underdark. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Again, thank you for listening in to my babbling on and trying to read this wonderful story. I, I still love it. It's, I got to admit, when i read this to everybody here i am reading it um, almost brand new i have read this before but the last time i read exile was probably lord almighty i don't know maybe 15 years ago 20 years ago something like that it's been a long long time but It's almost like I'm reading it fresh and new. I don't um, read this, uh, read the book uh, um, having gone through it already. I usually just come in and start reading it right off from uh, scratch here. So that's why sometimes you hear some of those mistakes. I mean, not mistakes, cleverly planned distractions to make sure you're still paying attention to what I'm reading. Reading. I don't know I said it that way. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, again, thank you so much for uh, listening in. Um, let me know what you think. If you enjoy it and you know other people who are fans of Drizzt Warden and R.A. Salvatore, let them know about this. Let them know but I have started again with book two Legend of Drizd, book two by R.I. Salvatore Exile Uh, you can catch me on uh, Facebook at uh, Chadwick Daigle you can catch me on Twitter at crow underscore HVVH on Instagram as Chadwick1224 I'd love to hear what you think Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening in. Have a good night.